Today I'm going to give a little sermon feedback talk uh, about my sermon, Children of God, which you can uh, go back into the Substack and listen to or read. Uh, there'll be a link to it here in uh, this post. Uh, a reader asked about predestination in response to this sermon, and he described predestination as a prison and asked if it were possible to escape this prison. I asked him why he thought predestination was a prison, and he replied that predestination destroys our free will. This is a pretty typical response uh, to what people call predestination, which they almost invariably associate with John Calvin um, and and have a negative view towards it. It's this idea that God steals our free will from us. Uh, basically, we're slaves of fate. And you know, there is, I think, an, an an unchristian or a non-Christian understanding of predestination that is common to paganism that is exactly that, uh, a fatalism that sets in. When you don't believe in a loving God and uh, creator of the universe who made and holds all things in love, then yes, predestination, I think, is something to be feared and is truly a prison. So my interlocutor here is correct. Predestination would seem to destroy our free will, at least that pagan kind of predestination. So I wrote back to him and I said, what is free will? What makes it free? And what makes it a will? You know, these are kind of uh, college philosophy section discussion questions, aren't they? Uh, and then I think he did a kind of very college thing to do here, and he said, well, I reversed the, cre- the question, if, uh, and he asks, uh, if man is not free to make choices, i.e., there is no free will, we are all predestined by God, so anything goes, and we must hope God has predestined us for salvation, despite how we choose to live our lives. That hope will, and then he asks, that hope, that hope will encourage us to be righteous, and He's really getting at what Paul, I think, talks about here in Romans, where uh, he's combating the idea that uh, because we are free from the law um, uh, in Christ, that therefore we can just keep on sinning, and, and Paul spends good few middle chapters in Romans dispelling that myth. That's not necessarily what my my uh, questioner here is is getting at, but it it it's kind of uh, the same idea that if we're predestined to be saved and nothing can can stop that salvation, then it doesn't matter how wicked we are. And likewise, if we're predestined to be damned, then no matter how good we are, uh, nothing uh, nothing uh, can change God's will in that respect. So these are these are really the common the kind of common objections to predestination. And they're objections that I wrestled with for many years. And um, so I wrote back to him, and, and here's my response on how I came to understand predestination and why it's truly beautiful, I think, and something that um, makes makes brings tears to my eyes. I got hung up on the question of predestination for years, and what helped me to resolve it was an understanding of what the word free means. Uh, the thing to understand here is that the only being which is free is God. And by this, I mean that there are no limits placed on God. There is nothing contingent in or about God. Contingent here means being able to choose from a wide variety of possibilities. Um, you know, uh, the, the sun uh, it may shine tomorrow is contingent. Well, the sun's always going to be shining, right? But the, our ability to experience the sun shining is contingent on whether there are clouds in the sky and, and, and whether tomorrow comes at all, right? So there's uh, contingency refers to uh, all, all the possibilities all of the choices that are possible uh, in our world, um, and also the dependencies that are, are present in, in our world. 
um, we're dependent as creatures on on so many things going uh, right at once for us to be able to continue to draw our breath. I was thinking about that the other day when I chose to take the train instead of flying. All these incidents that are happening, windshield you know, cracked windshields, doors, door plugs blowing out, and I'm thinking, you know, flying is wonderful. It's it's, it's amazing. I love airplanes. I love to watch them. I I'm, I subscribe to some aviation newsletter where it gives me all the aviation news, and I once watched a documentary on the inside the Airbus A380. I think planes are very are very cool, but I'm increasingly frightened to get on them because I'm just aware of how contingent the whole experience is. I mean, a, a, a thousand things have to go right for that plane to get up in the air and stay in the air and come back come back down. And um, I, I'd prefer not to think about it. Um, but God is the very opposite of that. He doesn't depend on anyone or anything to be who He is. Um, theologians call that God's. Uh, Essayity, uh, his just his very being, what he is, is completely free, independent, um, no contingency in God. Um, so that kind of sense, that 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 absolute freedom of God, his ability to exist without any contingency or dependency on anyone else or anything else, makes him the only true, truly free being there is. Now, will is another one of God's attributes. Being God, God's will is necessarily free. Um, God's attributes are such that they are um, you know, coordinate uh, throughout uh, his being. Um, it isn't as if God is free in his being, but dependent or contingent in his will. If, if God is free at all, then God is free in his entirety, and so that includes his will. So there's no limit. There are no limits placed on God's will. There is nothing contingent about God, and God's will depends on no one and no thing to be effective. Just like God depends on no one and no thing to be. So really, I think what I'm getting at here is that the only free will there is, or the only free will that's worth the name, is God's will. So really, to talk about man's free will, what are you even talking about? Um, man is limited. He's limited morally. He's limited spiritually. He's limited intellectually and physically. There's things he cannot do. There are things you can do when you're younger that you cannot do when you're older. Uh, there are things you will never know. You will never master all the knowledge there is to have uh, or, or, uh, or, or discover. We are spiritually limited. Uh, we are morally limited. Uh, so man, is, it's, it's fair to say man is, man is, is contingent. Um, his birth is dependent, and this is you know, our, our contingent existence is is, is uh, obvious to anyone who thinks about how you got here. You got here because some, you know, the seemingly random coming together of of, of your mother and your father, a, a given man and a given woman, and if they had happened to come together with anyone else. Uh, at that moment in time, their union would have resulted in someone else. You wouldn't be here. So, of all the possible men who could be born from an active coupling, this this particular man, you, me, uh, was born. Uh, but but neither you nor I needed to be born. We're, our existence is con- completely contingent. Uh, so I don't. I, how could you call this free? Our, our existence isn't free. Our, our 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 we are we are derived not because we willed ourselves into being, but we're derived the derivative result of the the willing of two other uh, contingent beings to come together at one moment in time and space. Um, so this man, whoever he happens to be, it could be you, it could be me. Neither one of us needed to have been, but here we are. I'm talking, you're listening. So we're here, uh, but our existence is not free. It's contingent. Um, God, however, is free because not only must God be, but God is. So it's necessary that God be 
because that's a that's a, a, a part of him being who he is. He, it, it, we cannot imagine a God who not who is not. Um, so there's nothing contingent about God. We cannot cannot imagine other possible gods. I got in an argument the other day with someone when I said that uh, Unitarians don't believe in God, and he said, "Well, of course they do. They believe in God." And I said, "Well, do they believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit?" And he said, "No." I said, "Well, then they they don't believe in God because the only God there is is a Trinity." So from birth to death, man depends on others. And for these reasons, man is contingent, and for these reasons, it's fair to say man is not free. And the same is true just as with God. Uh, his, uh, he is a free being, therefore his will is free. The same is true for, for, for man. Uh, our, our, we are contingent beings, and therefore our will is contingent. Um, uh, it, it, we are not free, and so our will is not free. Um, uh, man's ability to choose anything is contingent. I, I may have chosen, I may choose to go and drink uh, water from from a well, but if the well is dry, my choice has no effect. And in in that particular case, my will is of no effect. In this case, my will is not even my will is not free. My will is my will is contingent. Now, contingency opens up a world of choices for my will to make, and this is where I think people get confused because we live in a world of possibility, and we live in a world where we have so many choices to make. We think we're free. So let me say that again. Contingency opens up a world of choices for my will to make, but none of them are free. None of those choices that I make are free. Why not? Because I can make no choice that is not a contingent choice, not uh, not chosen from a set of possibilities that has already been determined for me by another. I don't create the world that I that I live in. I don't create this Cartesian set of possibilities for me to choose from. They are presented to me. Now, I have a choice, and that's the very nature of contingency, but that's not the nature of freedom. So what people are calling free will here are, uh, is, is better, I think it's better to call it contingent will. We, have a, we live in a world where choosing is possible, um, but we choose from a predetermined set. So, Bringing that back to predestination, if God is free and his will is free and his will is effective, which means that what he wills comes into effect, uh, unlike me trying to drink from a dry will, a dry well, what God, uh, uh, when he wills something, uh, it, it, is, it is effective. Uh, it follows that when, when he wills something, therefore, that it is not contingent. Uh, when he wills something, he does not will from a set of possible wills, rather he wills what is to be. Whatever he wills is. And this is what Paul means in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, when he writes that God calls into existence the things that do not exist. So if God wills for a man to be saved, then what happens is a million contingencies suddenly become effective. And these contingencies, stepwise, bring that man to his eternal destiny. So God not only creates us, men and women. He not only creates those whom he wills to save, but he creates and he wills an entire lifetime of possibility into actuality. I think that's beautiful to think about, and it's moving too. I, type, I, write, I wrote this with tears in my eyes because what that means is there's a golden thread that's run through my life um, that, that, that actualizes all of those possibilities that... that, that, that turns all of those choices into realities and and particularly my mistakes my sins right they're redeemed because they're part of this golden thread this this royal way that god has 
uh, willed that brings a lost child back to his father. Uh, so here, why wouldn't you want predestination? Why would you want the possibility that you could lose your salvation through a stupid contingent choice that you've made. What predestination shows us, tells us, the, the promise here is that despite, despite the stupid choices you make in this contingent world of possibilities, that God will not be prevented or thwarted in his desire to love you and will for your salvation. Now, that might be great. You could say, well, I'm, that's great, but that makes me basically a house pet. You know, I'm a lap dog in, in, in God's kingdom. And I, I, we men, we, we're born free, right? We, 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 there should be more to this than, than, than simply being a, a cherished uh, child or pet in, in God's household. So what does this do? What, is, what does this make of man's so-called free will? Can, can, can we resist God's choice for, for, for us? Uh, and the answer is no. I, I don't believe we can. Uh, man lives out his days in a contingent universe through a predetermined pathway, that golden thread that I've just described, through a set of all possible events and outcomes which could happen but do not happen. Uh, we, we, you know, a man can, can no more choose his path through, through all of these contingencies, this contingent world, um, which I, you know, you or I, we did not create or establish this world of possibility, uh, and we can't choose our path through these contingencies any more than, than a dog, uh, my dog could resist eating the plate of scones my, my daughter made the other day, uh, after she turned her back for five minutes. Uh, man is simply not God, and because of that, uh, man does not possess God's attributes of freedom and of willing freely. So what hope is there for man then? And, well, I mean, I think I've described some of that, the golden thread, the, the royal way that leads us back home to the Father. But, but the hope is this, man's will is free when it corresponds in a given time and in a given place to the divine will for that given time and that given place. I'll say that, I'll say that again. Man's will is free when it corresponds in a given time and in a given place to the divine will for that given time and that given place. Um, the idea of correspondence here is 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 not letter writing. It's uh, correspondence means uh, when when uh, think of like your dashboard on your car where your speedometer is reading out sixty miles an hour. Right, that reading corresponds to the speed that your uh, vehicle is going. Right, so um, in that sense, we can say that the the signal, the indicator on your dashboard, is in correspondence with the reality of the vehicle at that point. Um, and if that were to break, if if we if you were to be, if your sensor or your your speedometer to be were to become were to get out of correspondence, you'd be in trouble. You you would uh, might lose ultimately control of the vehicle, particularly if the you know the, you, you know, your power steering or I guess we're going more into I guess steering wheels are still actually mechanically connected to the wheel. But I'm thinking of fly by wire with an airplane where you know you 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 may. You may turn uh, the the stick a certain way, and and that does not mechanically maneuver the flaps or the rudder of the plane. That sends a, a coded signal through uh, the wire that uh, where the servo motor at the other end of the plane decodes and 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 moves the motor and the, the rudder and the flap accordingly. If that if that connection gets broken and your 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 the the indicators in your cockpit are out of correspondence with the reality of the of the of the aircraft, uh, you'll, you'll have a crash and that's that's what happened with that uh, air france uh, flight that that crashed uh, disappeared over the atlantic ocean several years ago it's what happened with the um, 737 maxes 
when they both crashed. Uh, you don't want to be out of correspondence. And so that's one reason why, why uh, uh, when, when our wills, when our choices, when we make choices that do not correspond with God's will for a given time and a given place, uh, that's, that's really the nature of sin, right? You know, you, you're sleeping with a woman who's not your wife. That's out of correspondence with God's will for that given time and that given place. You're, you're stealing money. Uh, you're, you're coveting something. You act on that. Um, you, you know, all the host of things that we call sin uh, or mistakes or, or law-breaking, whatever, every time uh, we participate in that, think of the dashboard, uh, your moral dashboard, uh, the, the indicator is, is not in correspondence with, with reality, with God's, with God's will. So uh, the hope is this, man's, free, man's will is free when it corresponds in a given time and in a given place to the divine will for that given time and for that given place. And, and this is really the requirement of righteousness. God's free will is expressed in his law, which is holy. And when that law is fulfilled, man is set free. And who who can fulfill that law perfectly? Well, this is what Christ came to do. Uh, and I'll finish with this quote from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus says, Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So I hope that helps explain, helps explain predestination a bit better to you, why I take such comfort in this doctrine uh, and how it really expresses God's love uh, more than anything. It's not, it's not a God who means to just override us and f- force us to do things or to outcomes that we would never want. This is, this is God ordering the universe and our lives in a benevolent and loving way so that we can find him and, and come home to him.